Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. The Knicks blowing out the sad sack Boston Celtics 105 to 75. The Knicks showing Alex once again why historically they're the greatest franchise in NBA history. The Celtics, they were fine in the 70s. They've struggled for the most part over the last 50 years. And just another dominant effort from your New York Knicks. Yeah, couldn't have asked for a more unpredictable way to end a five-game losing streak than beating Boston by 30 points on a Sunday matinee. But tons of great performances. Emmanuel quickly cementing himself as one of the best players on the Knicks once again. Julius Randle effortly pouring on the stats. RJ Barrett with another great game. And Obi Toppin sort of having his awakening in this game. So we got a lot to talk about next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's out. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times. Now, I, I watch a lot of Knicks basketball. I do this podcast, and I'm joined by another guy who is one of the leading Knicks experts in the world, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the great Alex Wolf. Alex, I'm sure like me, it's it's, it's a little gray outside. You're kind of having like a little bit of a lazy, boring Sunday morning, and then the Knicks come in and just ruin the Celtics' life. A 105-75 to victory, um, absolute dominance defensively. Where do you want to start in this one? Man, I don't even know. It was so unpredictable. The, the fact that this game went this way, the Knicks win the first quarter 28 to 17 and it was fully earned. I mean, it, it was not fluky. You know, they were just being up the Celtics. I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't like bring up the Celtics were missing some players thanks to COVID protocol. Um, so they were missing most notably Jason Tatum, also Robert Williams. So, I mean, a couple things to consider, but they did get Kemba Walker back from injury uh, who had a craptacular day uh, against his, hometown Knicks. Uh, But, you know, that's not to diminish what the Knicks did at all. They played fantastic in this game. They deserve everything, all the praise that they get for this game because they were rotating well. They were defending the paint. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had himself a day despite being injured. Um, Julius Randle, I mean, you know, I mentioned it at the top, but just was like effortlessly pouring in points. And then, you know, Nerlens Noel, I think, actually had a pretty underrated you know, defensive game off the bench again. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, Emmanuel quickly comes in and just further starts cementing his case to hopefully be the the starting point guard for this team sooner than later. In just 21 minutes, had 17 points, eight assists, one steal, one block, shot seven to 12 overall, two of four from three. And Gavin, he was like, I mean, he was unstoppable. I, I was telling you before the show, like, his performance reminded me of an NBA 2K. If you play the my player mode, 
no matter what, even if you're like the number one overall draft pick, they always start you off on the bench and, you know, you have to like work your way into the rotation or whatever. And, you know, the, it, it gradually ramps you up from like your first two games, you play like two minutes and barely see the floor. And then you start working your way up to like 12 minutes, 14 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. His stat line reminded me of like an NBA 2K game. He fit a full game's worth of stats and highlights into 21 minutes in this game. Uh, and he's really playing his ass off. It, you know, he's, I, I don't even feel like we have to talk about the substance of the game as a whole because the whole game was just a drubbing by the Knicks on the Celtics. I mean, they, you know, 28-17, they win the first quarter, 20-18 to in the second, but then similarly to the first quarter, 27-15, to they win the third quarter, and they even managed to win garbage time, 30-25 to in the fourth quarter, and there was some garbage time. You got to see Dennis Smith Jr., Theo Pinson, and Iggy Brasdakis all on the floor at the same time which tells you pretty much everything you need to know about this game. So Gavin, I don't know if, you know, if you wanted to hop right in on quickly or if you want to talk more about the substance of the game itself, but I'm mostly excited to just start talking about the individual performances in this game. Yeah. I was going to say, it seemed like the Celtics are, and this isn't an excuse, like the Knicks, the Knicks played a really good game, but the Celtics seemed absolutely dead. Like usually you play a good team like this, even, even in games where, where the Knicks will end up winning big against a team like this, they'll almost always make some kind of a run and there'll be, there'll be a point in the, middle of the third quarter, late third quarter, early fourth, where it gets within five or six and you're kind of sweating a little bit. And you're like, oh, wow, God, the Celtics finally woke up, e- even without Jason Tatum, because they still have a massive, massive talent advantage on paper. And that just never happened this afternoon. I, I-, I don't know if they went out the night before, which obviously they shouldn't be doing. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that maybe a couple of guys on the team are coming back from COVID. I know Tatum was a confirmed positive. I'm not sure how many other guys or confirmed positive. Obviously, I think they missed their last three or four games going into this one. So you, you you could tell they were just completely, completely lifeless. Not sure what's going on in Boston, but uh, they looked they looked very iffy throughout this game. And give the Knicks credit because last year under David Fisdale, maybe even under Mike Miller, the Knicks wouldn't have taken advantage of it, and it would have been one of those games that was like seventy-seven to seventy-five or something. It would have been a complete slugfest. And instead, the Knicks took everything the Celtics gave them and ran away with it. And I think a lot of that was because of Emmanuel quickly. Uh, The defense was strong from the get-go, but the offense, um, as it's been for, uh, I don't know, the entire season now, didn't really get going until quickly got in there, and and he immediately changed the game. And and it's interesting with quickly because I I keep talking about, look, the one one fly in the ointment with him is, can can he win off the dribble? It's been a few games running now where time after time after time, he, he is winning off the dribble. He's not getting all the way to the rim. Um, he's still going to have to continue to improve his layup package. It was something that uh, our friend Schwinn pointed out on Twitter after the game. It's really exciting, the idea of him getting a full summer with Johnny Bryant and getting to continue to work on that. Um, just his strength, his explosiveness, and his, his versatility around the basket is right now, it's just a lot of floaters. But on nights where they're going in like this, I mean, he, he, he's putting in work. And, and we've noted time and time again, with his shooting as good as it is, teams have to respect him further out. And he, I mean, he lives up to his last name. He he's he's not necessarily explosive, but he is really quick and he's really slippery. And, and he's he's a master manipulator. I keep using that word with quickly, but you see stuff with him that, that you see from Chris Paul early in his career, but you rarely, rarely see from point guards their first season in the league, especially ones that didn't even fully play point guard at Kentucky. So that's probably the single quality with him, Alex, that I'm most impressed with so far. He, his ability to dictate what defenses do based on little fakes, based on slowing down, speeding up. Um, he, he had this beautiful bucket in the first half where he did a little 
like snake dribble where, where he kind of wraps around the lane. Then he does a hesitation, freezes Tristan Thompson, gets to the rim, banks it in. Um, and, and it's not just leveraging his shooting, or rather, it's not just leveraging his shooting in, into getting room to get into the paint for him to score. He's leveraging his shooting into passing. And you saw that with eight assists in 22 minutes, which is obviously an insane number, especially on a team that usually doesn't hit a whole lot of shots. But I, I remember in the first half turned um, turned what would have been a fairly open three-pointer into a pump fake and then a drive into the lane and a little lob to Toppin for an easy dunk. Ran in for a little floater. There was a really good stat in the game um, when, when he got his pocket picked by, I think, Jalen Brown. It was his first turnover in 37 minutes of action. That tells you how well he's reading the game. And, and also, again, like it, it, it diminishes the case from Tibbs not to start him. He's normally with, with a rookie who is more upside than a veteran. You say, all right, but we're going to keep running the veteran out there because the rookie's going to turn it over 12 times. Quickly's not doing that. He's already playing like a vet. The floater really got going at the end of the first half. At one point, he made three in a row, had this beautiful double puck pass to top in for three. And the really encouraging thing for me, Alex, and, and I'll let you take over here, is that near the end of the game, Tibbs put him in there with the starters. That's a great sign that Tibbs wanted to get a look at that group and hopefully is finally seeing the light because, God damn it, it seems obvious to everyone else. Um, it's time for Emmanuel quickly to start for the New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it should be noted this is the second straight game that he went to that at the end of the at the end of the game, uh, putting quickly in there with the starters. And I hope that, yeah, to your point, this is finally the the turning of the leaf here, you know, because. I feel like we're closer to it. You know, we had 23 minutes for Peyton, 21 for quickly in this game. You know, Peyton's time on the court has been waning uh, and he's been getting less and less. uh, I don't know what the word would be. I was going to say impressive. I, I think Alfred has only had maybe like one or two actual games that I would call impressive this season. So that's probably the wrong word, but he's doing less and less to like bail himself out and, and keep his, you know, loose grip on the starting job while quickly is just doing everything that he can to prove that he should have the starting job. Um, you know, to your point, he is, he's making so many crafty plays. Now the floater was automatic today. You know, nobody could do a damn thing against it, but it wasn't even just that, you know, he had the, the possession where he, uh, he drove in on Tristan Thompson and very craftily found his space and got a nice layup in there. Some of the assists he was making Obi Toppin were just amazing. I mean, I, I think that that's a, a combo that everybody was hoping was going to look really good. And in this game, finally sort of, I don't want to say erupted, uh, but pretty damn close to it. I mean, you know, really quickly, I think found a way to unlock topping in a way that hasn't happened yet this year, uh, which granted extremely small sample size with Obi. We only had the preseason and then, you know, the brief appearance in the first game, the like one minute in the next game and then 10 minutes the other night. So we get to see 17 minutes of Obi tonight, most of them with quickly, if not all of them, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, it was a it was a really good symbiosis between those two of, you know, quickly finding Obi in his spots. They even ran a pick and roll for Obi, which was amazing. Um, you know, what a novel concept, putting that guy in his best play from college. <laughs> um, but yeah, all in all, I, I don't think there's any excuse not to start uh, quickly at this point because he's just, he's proven himself. He's done exactly what, he needs to do to, to prove that he's better than Alfred Payton, which kind of a low bar to clear, especially considering the lack of spacing that the Knicks have without quickly out there. But, you know, he's gotten those minutes with the starters now. 
and I think he's made the most of them. And I think sooner than later, Tibbs, if if he's as good as we want to think that he can be as a coach, uh, he's going to have to make this call pretty soon and start uh, Emmanuel quickly over Alfred Payton. Because like, despite the fact that the Knicks came out and played well to start with Alfred Payton out there today, it wasn't at all because of Alfred Payton. And they went on their big run to really gain some separation once quickly got in there. And I think that's way more telling. Uh, but anyway, Gavin, did you want to uh, go ahead? If you want to add any final quickly points, well, I was just going to say it, it sounds like you're you're betting on Emmanuel quickly being the starter sooner rather than later. And we I can am. tell everyone where the best <laughs> place to bet is. It is betonline.ag. Um, college football's wrapped up, but the NFL playoffs are now here. Um, as as we're as we're doing this podcast, Alex. Uh, Week two of the NFL postseason is wrapping up. Maybe if, if you're hearing this right as we release it, there's still some time to put some money on that Saints-Bucks game. I really like the Saints in that one. I loved how they played the Bucks all season. I would I would bet pretty heavily on them, given that that is just a three-point line. Most importantly, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome Bonus, obviously, Alex, we know next week it's going to be the conference championships in football, but we're in the midst of basketball season now, so you can bet on every single Knicks game at betonline.ag. They have over-unders. They have some prop bets every once in a while. Um, if you're a, if you're a Knicks fan and you're very into gambling, uh, there's no better place than to go to betonline.ag and put some money down. I wish there was a line on Emmanuel quickly becoming the starter, Alex, because I would I, I would hit it pretty heavily at this point. The fact is, you shouldn't sit on the sidelines anymore. We want you to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for your sign up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. All right, and we're back to Locked on Knicks, talking about the Knicks' big win over the Celtics. Just a reminder, the 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get podcasts. So, Gavin, I wanted to... We sort of... Or I started pushing the conversation in this direction at the end of the first segment there. But I want to talk about Obi Toppin because I was really excited by his performance in this one. I thought that, you know, it was limited bursts because he, he played 17 minutes. It's not like it was a huge amount of time that he played. But I think that we really got to look at a, pretty much his whole offensive repertoire in this game, which was great. I really screwed up that word repertoire in this game, uh, which was great. Like. 12 points, 5-8 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3. He did not he wasn't just being used as a spot-up shooter, which was a kind of worrying trend from the first game and then like you can't get anything out of that 57 seconds the other night. It was like literally he barely played. Uh but then the 10 minutes the other night, he was sort of sort of just being used in a spot-up capacity again. You're like, "Ugh, like I hope this isn't all they're using him for cuz his selling points coming out of college was mostly that he was really dominant in pick and roll and, you know, could hit those sort of shots. 
Well, in this game, they managed to do a little bit of everything with him, and I thought that they played to his strengths really well. I noticed you had tweeted during the game like about how a lot of his college game was just being bigger than everybody else and overpowering guys and whatever, and that he needs to adjust how to, you know, hack it in the NBA where like we've mentioned it before. We mentioned it during preseason, you know, he doesn't look very big in the NBA. He looks smaller than he looked on his college film, probably because now he's playing against the very best of the best rather than, you know, mid-major jabronis that are on some other team, you know, in the, you know, whatever non-power conferences in college basketball when he was playing at Dayton. And in this game, I thought he displayed a lot of different things. You know, he had a really nice cut at one point that he got hit by quickly, you know, like right in the bread basket as he was going to the hoop, made a nice layup where he sort of just arced it over his defender while he was running. And, you know, he didn't really take any contact or anything, but it had really nice touch on it. And the cut itself was really good to just kind of give him that advantage to begin with, where he sort of had the upper hand in that exchange. Uh, he ran a nice pick and roll with quickly later in the game where, you know, they, it was just really simple, really quick. Just, <laughs> God, I can't ever say the word quick anymore without thinking of quickly puns. It sucks. It's like I lost like 25% of my vocabulary. It's it's, it's an important <laughs> NBA adjective to have. Yeah. And yet now we just feel like cornballs every time we say it. But anyway, he, he quickly ran a quick pick and roll at the top where, um, you know, Mitch had set like a quick screen. And then Obi came up and set one. And, you know, then Obi's the one that that took the roll there and easily got in there for a nice dunk on the pick and roll. Uh, he also had a nice backdoor cut where he, you know, caught it baseline, went in for a dunk. That was awesome. And then, of course, the three-point shooting where he was two of four. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with him being a spot-up shooter for part of his possessions. I, I think that's going to be a, a skill that could make, you know, be a make-or-break sort of skill for his NBA career is how good he could be a spot-up shooter. But, you know, it was it was just an awesome performance overall for him. I, I don't know if I gave the full stat line yet, but 12 points, 5-8 shooting, 2-4 of four from 3. Um, awesome game for Obi, and, and I was really impressed by the fact that the Knicks sort of unleashed a more full version of what his offensive repertoire could be. Yeah, I... I enjoyed the way that he 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 found a way to get involved, and and he wasn't again able to win off the dribble. He tried backing down Semi Ojale, who's one of the strongest players in the league, as was referenced on the broadcast. Got completely stonewalled. Tried backing down Peyton Pritchard, who's not one of the strongest players in the league. Got completely stonewalled. It feels like every time he goes baseline, there's just there's just nothing doing. Like he, he unless someone's closing out on him, he, he, it it feels like again those high hips that we we talked about so much for him defensively really hurt him on offense, at least in terms of his ability to dribble drive, because he's not getting low enough to get around anyone. And then if the player's smaller than him, he's not strong enough to back them down. So that's essentially what I was getting at in that tweet. And I was saying, but I mean, there's a shining light ahead. That's true for a lot of guys in the NBA, where where against NBA level athletes, they're not, they're not blowing by them off the dribble. They need a screen to make something happen. Or they need to win in other ways. And that's what Obi started doing with craft and skill. He started cutting to the rim and, and to your point, showcasing excellent credit with Quickly, who hit him on this beautiful anticipatory bounce pass live. It didn't look like much. You go to YouTube, watch it, slow it down a little. Um, it was re- a really nice job by Quickly leading him to the rim and ensuring top and didn't have to stop to get it. Had that nice alley-oop. And then that play in the third quarter, that was really good. That got um, top and an open three. And it was the Quivers combination. Uh, shout out to Chris for the nickname. Uh, quickly, little double pump pass to Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers immediately beats his man. 
uh, zips it into the corner to Toppin. Toppin bangs it three. Then that pick and roll they had that was that was just gorgeous. And, and I mean that's how you weaponize Toppin's speed because he is very quick for someone his size and he's automatic around the basket when he has any kind of opening. So you get him moving. You put him with the shooters because if Toppin was out there with the starters, I mean you just wouldn't see him do anything. Like if you replace Randall for a couple of games, I would be. And Peyton was still the starting point guard. He, he needs a lot of space, and that's what what he was so good at at Dayton. Again, he had that size and speed advantage, but he played with four guys who could pass, dribble, and shoot. And and that's how he became the college basketball player of the year. And that's why I was a little worried when the Knicks drafted him because I, I was thinking, can they replicate this perfect ecosystem? That being said, I, I've been incredibly pessimistic on Toppin in general. You see the outlines of a really useful role player if he can survive on defense, because the passing is really good. The shooting, this was the best it's looked all game. Like the one he hit from the corner, just it, it looked Kevin Knox-esque in terms of just a very clean follow-through and a high arc straight through the basket, seemingly not even touching the sides of the rim on the way down. And, and again, that athleticism, which you can really use on cuts and in transition. So there, there are means for him to get buckets. He has to work his ass off each and every game, which again isn't an issue with him. He plays hard. Um, and you need to surround him with shooting and good passers. The Knicks did that tonight, and lo and behold, he had a really good game. So I'm interested to see how he progresses throughout the season. But Alex, I'm sure you're with me. We want to see him play with Emmanuel quickly as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's going to create an interesting, there's like an interesting intersection of narratives here that we're going to have to fight through where we really want quickly to start and play with you know, play with RJ and Randall and Mitch and maybe Bullock, maybe Kevin Knox. I don't know, whoever you want to throw in there as your your fifth guy in that lineup. But like, we're dying to see that. And yet we're also like, now after this game, like, man, uh, quickly with Obi Toppin is a really good combo. I don't think the quickly with, or sorry, that Alfred Payton coming off the bench and playing minutes with Obi Toppin would really help Obi that much either. Maybe he would be okay. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, maybe just separating Alfred from Julius Randle would help because it, it's kind of funny. Like, Alfred seems to still have the same predisposition towards wanting to always give the ball to Randle that he had last year. Randle, on the other hand, seems like he's evolved and is now fine with involving everybody on the team. So it's it's sort of an interesting little dynamic there. But, yeah, really, I guess the, the crux of this is that I want Emmanuel quickly to play 48 minutes and Alfred Payton to play zero. Um, and that's the only way to really make us happy at this point, <laughs> because I want to see quickly playing with everybody. I mean, he literally has, no matter who he goes out there with, he has good chemistry with, you know, Obi Toppin played his best minutes with quickly. Uh, some of Austin Rivers, best games have come in conjunction with quickly, uh, the quivers, as he said, shouts to Chris Persianen, if I'm saying that. I wasn't even going to try his last name, but yeah. It's it's either Persianen or Persianen. I I don't know how to pronounce the A. And he has it literally written in his Twitter bio, but I don't feel like looking right now. But shouts to you, Chris, if you're listening. Love you, buddy. Um, But uh, yeah, and but then also you see quickly with good chemistry now with Randall. I think that they really bring out the best in one another, in particular, like freeing each other up for, for open looks from three. I think that they both do things for one another that are really conducive to success. Um, he's looking pretty good with RJ. He throws good lobs to Mitch. Uh, what is there not to love with quickly? I don't know. This is very quickly <laughs> turned into another quickly episode, but uh, yeah, we, we, I don't know. I love that kid. I want him to play every minute of every game forever for the rest of time. Uh, but Gavin, I think this is a good opportunity to maybe take our final break here. 
and then come back and finish off our the rest of our notes here. I have a funny one on the Celtics broadcast team. Uh, we could talk about Julius Randle a little bit. RJ Barrett had a great game too. So we got some more stuff to talk about when we get back to Locked on Knicks. All right, and we're back. Third and final segment. Knicks beat the Celtics 105-75. to Amazing win on the road to snap their five-game losing streak in the most unexpected way possible after the fact that they lost to some truly bad teams on this, including like the Oklahoma City Thunder and all kinds of other stuff. So very cool stuff. Awesome game. And there's still more to talk about, Gavin. I, I figured we could talk about R.J. Barrett next. Had a double-double in this game, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 5-11 shooting overall, 2 of 4 from 3, and 7 of 8 from the free throw line. Those last two numbers, very nice. Uh, also had 3 assists and 2 steals. I thought this was an awesome game for RJ. Um, I, you know, he it wasn't his highest scoring game or anything, but between this game and then like his last, I guess like two games prior to this, he's really been playing well. Um, you know, I think that he's finally broken that slump and credit to him. I mean, he managed to shoot through it. Uh, Clyde even kind of asked him about that after the game, which there's a funnier question from Clyde uh, about that. But Clyde had even asked him, you know, like, how do you break through these slumps? Like, cause you're obviously, you were slumping for a while. And now you've been playing a lot better. And RJ was just, you know, just as usual, super calm, collected, awesome, you know, just was talking about, you know, the process and, you know, just believing in your game and whatever and all that good stuff, all the platitudes you want, but RJ really plays with it. You know, he, he plays almost exactly the same every time he's out there, but sometimes he gets better results. And when he does, it, it really proves that, you know, the process is working for him. Um, and yeah, I just, I thought that he did a lot of good things in this one in particular. I liked, you know, those 11 rebounds, he earned those. I mean, he was really muscling out there and the Celtics were playing small a lot. There was one point where they were playing, you mentioned semi Ojale and how strong he is, but he's like a very strong three, four type player. He's not necessarily a center. And, you know, the Celtics were playing him as, as their center at one point in this game, even. And, uh, you know, RJ just took advantage of those sort of matchups where, he was the bigger guy. And uh, I think he posted up. I, I don't remember. Was it Pritchard at one point? He posted somebody up and, you know, just was like, I'm going to take advantage of this, uh, of this size mismatch that I have here and muscle and, and just length and everything else. And that was a great possession. Uh, he very first play of the game, if I'm not mistaken, was a lob from him to Mitch uh, or one of the first plays of the game where, you know, Mitch puts down a, a, a nice, lob dunk from RJ. That was great to see. Uh, just a lot of good stuff to like in this game, Gavin. But what were some things about RJ that stood out to you? I, I, I love that he shot eight free throws. I mean, that that's that's what I've been begging for from RJ forever. If he's not going to ever be a plus three-point shooter, and that's, I mean, that's very much a question at this point, though, on, on the night two for four, which which was awesome to see. Um, he, he needs to get to the foul line a lot. And he needs to shoot well when he gets there. And today he was he was seven of eight. And, and that's, that's all you want. He also had 11 boards, also had three assists, also had two steals. And again, that that is absolutely the best version of RJ, who in 29 minutes had the second best plus minus on the team, was plus 32 in this game. I love the physicality. I love that, again, because he did this a bunch against the Cavs. He refused to settle, kept pounding his way to the rim. Um, that that That's going to result in a player that I would say shoots more efficiently than his talent. 
because he's taking the right kind of shots. And RJ right now um, is doing just that. And that's that's really all I have to say about him. But Alex, uh, you want to get into uh, Julius Randle a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I thought Randall, what I, I don't know, I don't even know what more there is to say about Randall at this point. Like, he's just pouring in these effortlessly good performances. I, I guess I'll say the only thing with this game is that we maybe saw what could lead to statistical regression for Randall, which would be fine by me. And it's not bad play. It's just less minutes. You know, he played 31 minutes in this game, 20 points, seven to 14 shooting two of five from three, four or five from the free throw line. Also had 12 rebounds, four assists, three steals. I can't ask for a much better game from him. He also kept the turnovers down, only had three of them. But, you know, this is probably the best part of Obi Toppin coming back and, you know, hopefully snatching maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes a game. You know, it, if Obi had played 20 minutes in this game, you probably would have had a tiny bit more overlap with him and Randall. Uh, but, you know, as it stood, they I think that they directly subbed in and out for one another for this whole game because there was... 48 total minutes between the two of them, 17 for Obi, 31 for Randall. You know, maybe you can up Obi's a little bit, maybe reduce Noel's minutes or or Mitch's minutes or something some nights to get a little bit of the Obi and Randall pairing, which surprisingly has not been a total train wreck um, when they've played at times this year. But, you know, it, that's the best part of Obi coming back is that now Randall's not going to have to play 38, 39, 40, 42, whatever minutes a game uh, any given night. And he can have some nights like this where if the Knicks you know, have either a comfortable win in hand or a comfortable loss in hand, you could play OB for Randall's minutes and still get some good production there. Uh, but Randall was just quietly brilliant again. I don't know. I don't know if there was one particular play that stood out to me uh, as anything out of the ordinary, other than just his three-point stroke is looking really clean lately. You know, he looks like he's really found a good, uh, a good motion and a good process for getting off his threes. Because the two that he made, I thought were just really gorgeous looks, and even the ones that he missed didn't look aimed or forced like his shot has in the past. You know, it looks like he's doing everything in rhythm from three right now, which is good. Uh, and also, probably the funniest play of the game was the, so I guess that this game was on NBA TV today, which I, I didn't realize because I always watch on MSG if it's available. Because like I'm lucky enough to get MSG, but. Uh, Apparently, they were running it on NBA TV with the Celtics announcers. And I was hearing a lot of chatter on Twitter about how, well, there's one thing that I'll bring up in a minute because I have to torch one of their announcers. But the other thing was that apparently they were like boasting that Daniel Tice is this like amazing center and blah, blah, blah. And like he's he's great on defense and just a great player overall, blah, 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 this, that, the other. And like right after that had happened... (laughs) Tice was going to like try to make a hustle play, I guess, to try to save a ball going out of bounds. And I don't know if he was trying to bounce it off of Randall or something, but he flung it literally right to Randall under the hoop. And Randall got the easiest dunk probably of his whole career. Uh, Got literally handed the ball by the opponent under the hoop and just took a really nice, easy two-handed dunk. And that was probably one of my favorite plays of the game, mostly because apparently the Celtics announced team while denouncing one of our beloved Knicks, which I'll get to in a sec, uh, was praising the crap out of Daniel Tyson. Other than just that play, I thought Tyson got cooked in this game. I thought he was awful. Uh, So I I found that to be very funny. And I I like when the homerific uh, Celtics announcers get burned like that. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the technical work that Randall was doing in the post was just ridiculous. And and Tyson 
didn't have an answer to it. And you could tell he, he was sort of sitting on Randall's drop step on, on one of those plays because he, he just expected Randall to put a shoulder into him and try to overpower him. And then Randall instead does like this little like double like shimmy thing is the best way I can describe it into his uh, classic uh, mid post fadeaway that, that went in for an and one. And, and again with Randall, I, I think to be, to be, I know, I know I have the ongoing bit that I've always loved Randall, but to, to eat a little crow on my part, I think last year, even just because a lot of times it did feel like empty stats and also he, he was so inefficient, I was a little bit of dismissive of what Randall does do well on a basketball court, e- even going back to last year. And, and the dude is just like on top of the strength, like he, he is a technician um, on post-ups and, and his ability, the, those fadeaways are the toughest shots in basketball. And for someone as big as him to be able to have the touch to hit those consistently and have his passing vision. I mean, that's, that's where you get a guy who now looks like he's worth every bit of $20 million. So that, that's just a little thing that makes Randall special. And obviously like when I'm at my happy, happiest is when the turnovers are down, did have three on the game, not a crazy amount in 31 minutes. He's hitting threes. He's hitting free throws. He's seven to 14 from the field. Zero complaints. He, he, he was just great. Um, Alex, I'm I'm going up and down the roster. I don't really think anyone else had a super standout game. I will I will say Nerlens Noel quickly. A shout out to him defensively. Made a couple of great plays. Combined four stocks in 24 minutes in this one. Had an awesome um, poke from behind steal on Peyton Pritchard. That j- it just felt like a vet, like kind of clowning a rookie where Pritchard thought he got by him and, and Noel's like, oh no, you don't. And he punched it out. Ran down the floor, got a dunk. I will say he was getting bodied by Tristan Thompson most of the night. Gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. And, and Mitch, who was um, uh, on top of already, I, I think he got slightly hurt last game. Yeah, bruised, bruised heel. Right, after right. The last and game. then on, on that dunk attempt, now I remember. And then and then he re-aggravated it because he blocked, um, I want to say it was Javante Green or Jeff Teague. It was Jeff Teague. Yeah, Jeff one, Teague. one of the Celtics guards had a ridiculous block, was fine off the off the block three-pointer that he had no business getting to. But then, I mean, and give Mitch credit for laying his body on the line. We also saw quickly slide across the floor. You, you could you could see, it, they, they all knew that it was Tibbs' birthday, and they wanted to honor Tibbs by playing as he would. Um, so he blocks the shot, just kind of jumps onto Teague in an effort to save it. And again, an awesome play, but didn't give himself any room to land. And I don't know about you, Alex, I was, I was, to- I was completely relieved he didn't like separate his shoulder or break his wrist because that was my initial response. Like when a big guy like that, who's like, especially when he's really lanky falls and just has zero room to brace themselves, full body weight, just on his arm. I thought it was going to be really, really bad. He came out for a few minutes, came back in, looked a little gimpy, but by and large didn't seem severely injured. So that was good. Um, and, and I also, you can, again, like when we were talking this offseason, like, well, maybe him and Noel are kind of replaceable. I've, I've said it a couple times this year, but you can see where Mitch is just bigger and in matchups against guys like, look, against Andre Drummond and Embiid, Mitch, Mitch isn't in that weight class just yet. But against someone like Tristan Thompson, he makes a big difference on the defensive glass um, relative to Noel. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to go back to that play where he blocked Teague, I I wasn't in love with Teague's little move there either. Like he kind of like, like Mitch was going to just grab the, the ball out of the air and Teague kind of like put his butt under Mitch, which then kind of kicked Mitch's legs out from under him as he was going for that, which then led to that nasty fall. Mitch went back to the locker room, did come back out, and like he looked kind of hobbled. You know, I, I was pretty worried about him when he came back in the first half. The second half, he seemed a little more comfortable, but in the first half, when he came back after that, he did not look great. Like he, he looked like that heel must have been really bothering him because 
he was still making plays and stuff, but it seemed like any time that he had to put any weight on whatever foot it was, I don't know if it's his left or his right, but anytime he had to go back on that particular foot, he was either limping, like, you know, like saving himself and like hopping on one foot for a sec to make sure that he could get back down on it firmly. Or he was just straight up falling on his butt. Like he was just like bailing out all the time. Um, You know, anytime he had to land too hard on that foot, he was just like, okay, best move is to just bail out and fall down rather than, you know, try to put weight on this. And that was a little worrisome. So I was glad to see in the second half, he seemed a little more steady on his feet and and didn't have that happening as much. But I'm also glad that he managed to only play 24 minutes in this game because it was it was worrying me a little bit. Um, that he was back out there already having the existing injury from last game when we saw him hobbling around and to then be hobbling around in this game after a fresh thing where it, he fell on his shoulder for sure. And and I had the same sentiment like, oh, I hope he didn't dislocate his shoulder or his wrist or something. But he also, I think, fell pretty hard on his hip too. And I'm sure that that's probably going to hurt tomorrow as well. So yeah, hopefully he's all good. Because um, literally they're playing tomorrow at noon. So <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's a short turnaround time and, you know, the travel to get back home as well. So we'll see how things go with Mitch there. I did want to also shout out uh, Brian Scalabrini on the Celtics broadcast because he sucks. Uh, it's kind of funny that I guess like one of the most comically below average NBA players of all time that was more or less a human victory cigar apparently has very spicy takes about the league. And I guess let off the Celtics broadcast by saying that he thinks that Mitchell Robinson is a horrible defender, uh, like actually use those words and also said something to the effect of like, if the Celtics want to win this game, they should just blast pick and roll at Mitch, like every single play. And I'm like, dude, what have you, did you watch anything on the Knicks before like commentating on this game? Or like, are you just making stuff up at this point because or like did you just look at the fouls thing from like last year and the year before like what was your source for this because like they went from apparently saying mitch was a horrible defender to then noting like five seconds later that he's uh i think number two in the nba in stocks per game <laughs> and I, I i don't know the leaps of logic there but i thought mitch did a pretty good job uh i i thought that for example like he looked more comfortable in this game and it probably helped not having to deal with Andre Drummond, but he looked more comfortable in this game after he initially sort of got banged up than he did in the last game and, and managed to influence the game uh, even more so than he did in the last game, I think. Um, and, you know, still came up with two blocks. Didn't have any steals. I thought there was at one point where he sort of forced a steal. I guess he just didn't get credited with it, but, you know, he was playing the passing lanes pretty well too. Uh, I thought he played a good game. You know, it wasn't a statistically out of this world game, but he was a plus 28 in 24 minutes. That's, that's pretty damn good. Um, you know, it, it kind of speaks for itself. That's one instance where I think the plus minus matches the eye test there. Um, and then, you know, otherwise 8.7 rebounds. So I really enjoyed his game. Uh, Gavin. Yeah. Other than that, I can't really think of another player worth bringing up, but did you want to, I, I have one more media moment. Did you have something that you wanted to bring up? Because I know you said you had some good stuff with Clyde. Yeah, I had, had a few ones from Clyde. I, I loved early in the game when they were talking about Walker's uh, knee injury. So, and I think Breen asked Clyde, like, "Well, you know, you know, he's a little gippy. How 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 would you guard him, Clyde?" And Clyde's like, 
uh, you know, it, it was Walker's knee, so I'd make sure to kick him in the knee. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, you thought you thought 90s basketball was rough. 70s basketball just sounds sounds like gladiatorial warfare. Um, and the, the moment, one that, like, I think this is the hardest I've laughed at anything uh, Clyde said all season, but they, 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 took, they had this shot of Tom Thibodeau looking just like a very grumpy 63-year-old man like just just very upset and perturbed maybe slightly constipated and, and Clyde's like oh there's Tibbs the birthday boy and I just started laughing it was so so funny just just because of his expression and just imagining Tibbs in like one of those like spinny like birthday hats or something I don't know it was it was really good and he also he made another reference to it where like when quickly like slid across the floor he was like oh maybe he'll give uh quickly a piece of cake for that one um so great Great Clyde game. Um, I, I know Alex, you wanted to get into his uh, his post game interview with RJ Barrett because he had a, he had another good one there. Yeah, there was two other two other good Clyde gems. One was at the very open of the broadcast. Breen said something to Clyde about like, um, you know, Clyde, he's a it's an early start today. You know, I know you probably didn't like those very much during your playing days because of like the nightlife and everything. But now, you know, how do you feel about early start games? And Clyde goes. Well, you know, you know, Mike, I, I get up early now, so I don't care. He's like, but I usually sleep during the afternoon, you know, take a nap. So I hope the Knicks keep me up today. <laughs> I found that to be funny. Uh, and then in the post game interview with RJ, he uh, RJ, of course, wears uh, Puma Clyde's. The, the they revamped that line when they uh, started up the Puma basketball division again, and and RJ always wears them. And so uh, Clyde was asking him about his performance in the game. And goes, so RJ, was it the shoes? <laughs> and I enjoyed that too. I always love a good joke like that. Because normally that's that's more of a uh, a reference to Jordans than Puma Clyde's. So that was a that was a funny thing. Um and then lastly, um trying oh man, I just lost my train of thought. Too much Clyde, too much Clyde. I forgot. I had one more thing. I it can't be that important. But yeah, Clyde was very funny. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. All right. Good note to end on. As you noted, Alex, we're, we're like something like 17 hours away from the next Knicks game. So tune in soon. That's going to be a special crossover with Pod Strickland. I will not be on that one. It'll be you, Schwinn, and I, I'm assuming Drew too, Alex. I think the Prez, actually. Okay, I think it's okay. going to be the Prez episode. Wow. Wow. Loaded. Absolutely loaded episode. Um, looking forward to listening to that tomorrow uh, post game after their Martin Luther King Day bout tomorrow. Until then, be good, and we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Knicks.